What's up, everyone? It's the Nuts and Bolts Podcast, and I'm your host, the one Jamie, here with our amazing co-host, Airball. Hey, guys. And Michael Kritz. What it do do? I'm just going to say it twice because I was missing last week. <laughs> <laughs> and we're here to give you the Nuts and Bolts, so the standard and pioneer formats each and every week. But first... Let me talk to you about the sponsor of the podcast, CoolStuffInc.com. Using code JAMES5, you can save 5% off of anything in the store, sealed product, singles, anything you can ever need in Magic the Gathering or any other card game for that matter. They have it. Go save yourself from harder money and go to CoolStuffInc.com today. Let's go into the upkeep. First off and foremost, we're going to talk about our jargon like always. Today is going to be bait. There's a couple different ways that we can talk about bait. Number one is being the verb to play a card which you expect your opponent to counter so that they will not be able to counter your next, presumably better, spell. This also works with with removal spells. You really want your card to get removed, so you play that one out, and then you you want the one not to be removed in your hand, holding, holding it up as the first one is a bait. Now, it can also be a noun, like I just used, a card which you play expecting it to be countered or destroyed. So, the bait would be the card you expect you you want to you want to die or want to get countered and to bait usually sometimes you talk in, you hear in the magic community talk about baiting out your opponent this is this is what they're talking about is there any cool little you know bait story that either you either one of you have uh, airball or michael uh, airball you probably have some you're, you're a blue light control player yeah, but usually it's me getting baited right not the other <laughs> way around <laughs> oh my goodness uh yeah i mean i i mean i would consider myself like a master of baiting oh boy i, I had to say it anyways I um, like, it, I, yeah. I'm, like i'm like, like not like 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 a master as in like good at it i think i'm good at it hmm. uh i am decent at it um obviously i think the cards have to present themselves in a way that needs to show that you're baiting and you also have to have an opponent smart enough that you think is smart enough to fall for the bait there's like a two bait process there but anyway the three bait about it is that uh the one story i'll share is like ledger shredder it doesn't really matter what format but in like modern uh when i play against a burn player i'm like yeah just go ahead bro you're fine just 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 go ahead and point that lightning bolt over to my to my ledger shredder and then i'll either counter it or make sure that they count another spell they cast another spell so it pumps and they're wasting like a whole bunch of resources to try and kill ledger shredder and that's that's bait well i guess you can bait airball you can you can bait in the in the azorius control mirror match right you can uh i've also baited players with uh, as blue white a couple times I, i think i've spent a board wipe uh, pretty aggressively knowing I have another one in hand to try to get my opponent to commit more to the board because I know they're baiting me into playing the board wipe and it's this cat and mouse game about who's going to blink first. Yeah, like they have one creature on board and you're like, you kind of probably have to kill this, but you probably might not want to use your sweeper on this one creature. And then you and then you in turn use the, the sweeper on the creature. And then they're like, ha, gotcha. Let's play four creatures after that or three or whatever. And, and you're like, all right, right. here's and the I'm second like, one. Taste it. I'm like, taste it. My hand is actually five board wipes because it's blue white control. <laughs> yeah. What else could you expect to be in that hand of yours? I actually played a win con list blue white control uh, deck on stream today, and with literally no win cons. I guess the Wandering Emperor could be a win con, but I just didn't care about my tokens. I made I made some here and there just to like you know jump block and stuff, but I used Devious Cover Up to Ooh. counter a spell and shuffle other copies of Devious Cover Up back into my deck, 
and then he's and then drew into them again with like silver scrutiny and memory deluge and then countered my next opponent spell with a with the next devious cover-up to shuffle the other devious cover-ups back and it was a never-ending loop of card advantage into my deck and so i with the goal of decking out my opponent and making them as so miserable that they scooped before i could ever beat them i had no win con you truly are a masturbator oh uh, you, you're not supposed to say it that close together like that's the same word or anything you didn't, right? What do you mean? Yeah, yeah, never mind. We're I mean, we, if we're if we're talking about that, we can also talk about Michael Critz Embercleave under the bed. We can we, we can bring that up again. What? There's nothing. There's no uh, nothing to debate there. Um, I mean, that's the... not that's not up for debate. Uh, okay, I think you got the word wrong. It's bait, not debate. Yeah, but there's still I, I'm I'm debating this bait. <laughs> By debating it, oh, like removing oh, oh, bait. Oh, like unbaiting. Therefore, I'm being the master of my embercleave you know, baiting here. Embercleave, and 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 yes, and embercleave. I'm the master of the sword, master of the this, shaft. Uh, this yeah, we'll go with that. Well, we're going with that. Anyways, yeah. what are we actually mm -hmm. talking about in this episode? I don't even know anymore. We're, we're nope. talking about the <laughs> we're talking about the brothers of war. Get me out of here. We're talking. <laughs> All right, the podcast is over. See you guys. And that's it. Uh, see you in the top eight. Uh, no, anyway, never mind. Uh, we're talking about the brothers war teasers for episode nine today. Um, Mark, for those of you who don't know, Mark Rosewater, he comes up with an article called a blog atog that talks about the upcoming set and what different things could be in the set whether it's phrases words creature types uh texts on cards maybe flavor text sometimes some some flavor some lore and he talks about the next set in an article super brief and we're going to go over that with you today and, and give us some speculations and conjectures that we think is going on with the Brothers War. Now, I have not read the Brothers War lore. Uh, spoiler alert. I mean, I guess it's not a spoiler because I haven't read the lore. Have you guys read the lore? No. No? Uh, I don't. I haven't read the lore. I should. I, I'll, I'll, I'll do his homework for the next next podcast. I definitely should have read the lore, but I guess that will give us a little bit of context into this. But since we haven't read I, the lore, it'll give us even more power to conjecture. So I have well, not read this specific lore, though. I have picked up on the lore of like Yogmoth, you know, Urza and like kind of the 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 plane that this kind of is. So like I know things kind of generally about it only recently, but I haven't read the official Watsi lore that has just come out for the set. Oh, gotcha. Okay, so I'm I'm going to read it straight from here what it says Morrow's the Brothers War teaser before it says before previews for the Brothers War officially began I thought it would be fun fun to do another of my dual style teasers where I give tiny hints of things to come note that I'm only giving you partial information so we've even seen in the past that some of these things that happen on here that he talks about is in the same card so just using that for a little bit of context he says first up here are some things you can expect and there's a bunch of bullet points here for those of you for those of you watching on youtube at the nuts and bolts podcast on youtube you can actually watch this on the screen but for those of you listening um the first one is over 10 10 legendary human artificers 10 10 legendary like all of them are legendary i didn't see the legendary part I just read 10 human artificers and my eyeballs skipped the legendary. <laughs> <laughs> like, wow. 
I mean, there's already really, really good human legendaries. So many human legendaries, in fact, that you can make a human legendary tribal deck of all human legendaries in standard. And there's going to be 10 more legendary human artificers. Like, wow. I mean, there's already so many amazing humans. There's, they're, they're legendary. There's Halana and Elena. There's Thalia. There's, I mean, I can't even, I can't even name all of them. They're, they're both human and legendary. There's so many of them. But there's 10 more of them. I mean, I mean, could they all just, like, be a cycle? Probably not, because there's 10, right? Yeah. Uh, it seems like at least five of them are probably a cycle. Um, but it would be weird to have two cycles of, of legendary art artificers in, uh, in the same set. Wait, actually, it would make sense if, like, five, or, five are for Urza and five are for Mishra. Yeah, perhaps. Usually these cycles are at rare, right? Um, that's a lot of well, the actually, no, there, there's some, density of the sets. There's actually uh, some cycles that are uncommon and common. There was a cycle in this in uh, like Streets of New Capenna, I think. The ones where you could they're like all seven mana and you can do like a some kind of ability, like a channel ability with them, I believe, to like change your mana. And then you, it exiles it, and then you can cast them back again. Remember those? Yeah, Guilds of Ravnica also had like the um they also had like the guild mages. I think those were at uncommon. Yeah, those were uncommon too. Yeah, the the guild mages. Yeah. But isn't there like ten guilds in Ravnica? So there should be like if they want to do like each color like dual combo color combo. Or am I the math wrong on that? Wait, well, it's, it does it say two, right? there was. Go ahead. There was guilds of Ravnica and Ravnica and Le Allegiance, and you got five of the duels in each of those two sets. Yeah, so there's ten total like guilds, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, so you could do that. Um, and like the other thing I want to speculate is like before I thought only two would be good when I only saw like, you know, when I thought I read over 10 human artificers, but now that there's a legendary clause, maybe three or four might be good. Uh, and I'm still that that's still a high number. Two will definitely be good out of the out of the 10. But I feel like maybe you could bump it up to three and a hopeful four. But that's that's my piece on that. I mean, pl plus it actually I actually think that it might not actually there's evident a little bit of evidence that or conjecture, I should say that it's not a cycle because it says over 10 legendary human artificers. It's not oh, like five over. or 10. It says over yeah. 10. Weird. Yes. Yeah, right, let's go to the next bullet point. But before we do, I just want to say that I'm excited about a bunch of new legendary cards. Uh, being printed into standard with Plaza of Heroes. I think that yeah. there's going to be a lot of legendary oh, support. Damn. It sounds like that's something they're pushing. Uh, it's already almost playable in the current standard. And I really like the deck building constraints that you go through to build a deck that has a bunch of legendary creatures to use their payoffs because it forces you into using a lot of cards in your deck building process that you otherwise wouldn't want to most of the time. You'd have, because you don't never really want four copies of the same legend most of the time in your deck building process. So you usually split it and you have, instead of, you know, 10 copies of four, uh, 10 sets of four play sets, you have like uh, 20 sets of two legends or whatever. I well, think it actually more diversity and more interesting decks. Uh, it makes it easier to play more of the same copy of legendaries because the new Radadravic card, the Orzhov four mana, three, three vigilance ward two, Every time one of your legendaries dies, make a two-two copy of it as a a two-two token copy of it that's not legendary. So there's just so, there's like LS Ilkor that's like a human uh, that's a, also a human legendary uh, two mana two-two death touch. There's also Urtai, which is the four mana three-two counter a spell or ability. Like there's so many legendary humans, and you can do like loops where and there's also like Lieza, 
the the five mana or Lisa, the five mana four five flyer. It's a legendary. It's not a human, but you can do oh, weird. Yeah. You can do weird loops with Lisa and legendaries, where like you can counter. You can have Lisa on board, counter something with Urtai, counter something with Urtai again. Legend rule the Urtai. The other Urtai that's legend ruled goes back to your hand at the end step because of Lisa's ability, and then you just keep doing that. That's oh god. Yeah, so like you can you can do cool things with the legend rule. Uh, so okay. it makes it even easier to play more than one legendary, and I think that's the direction that they might actually go with with legendaries now. Because I saw something on Twitter a few days ago that was like hinting towards like, do we even want legend the legendary like rule anymore? Like I I heard people talking about that. Oh god, the uh, mm, uh, yeah, I, I really did. They they were like, oh, do is it just supposed to be? You know, are they not going to legend rule themselves? Or they change it because there's so I many legendaries. It also it also fairies. odes to go ahead. I can have four to fairy hero of Dominarius. No, okay, please. never mind. Just, I just yeah. forget I ever said yeah. that. No, I was no, gonna, no, not I was that. going to literally say like I don't know what the magic experience of the the people who like have said like being excited about like you know eroding the legend rule because like if you fundamentally just think about like how much legendary broken stuff we've had in like even just the past three years, but you can expand that over time and be like. No, legendary rule is very intentional and like if you ever hear about like any designers talking about it like if you errata legendary magic is just like cracked in half and like oh god i i can't even i don't want to fathom that because it hurts my mind it hurts my brain can you imagine in modern having like multiple monkeys on the board and just like making multiple treasures and like dashing one and then like keeping one back and like there's like three of them on the board <laughs> I can imagine it. I don't want to be there. Like I love Ragavan with all my heart and soul, but like I don't want to imagine that. That hurts. <laughs> all right. Well, that's it for the ten legendary human artificers. Uh, let's go to the next one. Another card with end the turn. Oh gosh. I mean, Airball, are you like jumping for joy? Like, are you you know running around? He's not running around his room, Michael. That's weird. Uh. Another another card that says end of the turn. That sounds like a blue card, and it sounds like it's seven mana. Do. Yeah, it's hard to imagine this card being printed in any color other than blue. Uh, discontinuity is what comes to mind. Um, so immediately, Lotus Field players rejoice. That's the first application I think of. Uh, but also, any card that ends the turn, at instant speed anyway, um, is <laughs> automatically close to an extra turn spell. And I think that that will probably be controversial. Go ahead, Michael. There's also a black card that kind of does something, and I believe it's that you control your opponent's next turn, which isn't essentially ending their their turn, but you essentially get an extra turn and you manipulate what your opponent's doing. I saw an Inspiring Spikes streamer, a modern person stream, that like it's like a seven mana, like you control opponent's turn, and then you go back to your turn. So it could be like black as well in a weird way, or like a blue black thing. But yeah, there's even a couple more cards that do that that control your opponent's turn, right? There's Mind Slaver, like the, the, the artifact, and there's also you know, Emrakul, right? Yeah, there it is. <laughs> one of the one of the things I loved about Discontinuity when it was in Standard and as it's continued to be used in like Explorer and Pioneer is that it. It is an extra turn spell, but it's also kind of a counter spell for effects that are otherwise uncounterable. So it's kind of a safety valve against things like Hullbreaker Horror being flashed in on the end of your turn. You can't counter that directly, but if you end the turn, then the stack goes away. Or if someone cycles a big Shark Typhoon, you can end the turn in response. They don't get the Shark. They don't get the card drop from the cycle effect. I, I like having these kind of extra turn spells in written in this way. Um, as like a safety valve against the uncounterable spells in the format. Oh, so you're saying it's an extra turn spell, but slightly better in other situations. 
Right. So that, it's like no, almost no, a normal extra no. turn spell, but also I don't want that though. I don't think extra turn spells okay, need well. to get better. <laughs> I'll, I'll talk tomorrow about it. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you can't get much better than some extra turn spells that have been cast. <clears throat> All runs epiphany. Okay. Um, at least this one hopefully doesn't also make creatures when it ends the turn. Um, that'll be interesting. Mm. All right, <laughs> don't even don't even think about it. No, um, let's move on to the next one. Uh, a command with X in its mana cost. So, go ahead, Airball. No, I'm just, I'm just saying, cool. I have some thoughts on it, but go. For oh it. yeah, because like, what commands? Because right, so, like, so commands are general. I don't know which commands have been printed if they've hit all the cycles of like at least the the two color or dual color commands. Okay, I, th I think and every com every color combination has been a command, right? And then technically because of the Wait, all the guilds have a command, right? No, no, yeah, no. They then... they have a they have a um charm, right? That's not actually exactly a command. Right. So I I'm not familiar with command uh like as far as commands like histories cuz I also like if you think about New Capenna also had commands, but they were like you know the the junt. I don't know the they had Prismari command. They had Witherbloom command. They had you know all those, all also, those different commands. New Capenna had that like what's the thing called? It was a, like the Jun one allows you to like exile three cards. It's kind of command esque. The charm. Oh, the, those are charms. Okay, instead. Okay, but yeah, you have like Culligan's command. You have all these commands. Culligan's I don't command. Yeah, Silvergar's command. Done it for all the cycles. So like maybe they're doing it for different cycles. Maybe maybe there's another command cycle. I mean, commands are always really popular, and I I would love I love commands. <laughs> I I think uh, having the option to choose between different modes is really cool. Unless like a lot of modes are really bad, but the Nukapena uh, charms were are really cool. The Riveteers charms really good. You know, there's there's some charms that I thought were gonna be super busted, like Obscura charm that just you know fell off the map and was never good. Uh, and that's probably because there's other cards in Esper colors that are just better anyway. But there's one of the things that one of the things that a lot of the commands have in common are destroy artifact, right? Like K command had that, Prismari command had that. Well, I funny. wonder if it be in a artifact based set there is like a mode that's like destroy X target artifacts. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. There's one that says like an enchantment. There's one that says like there's one. In, in, the enchantment one is I think the it just says destroy target enchantment. I think that that's actually the green white command. Um, that says just just enchantment and not artifact, which is interesting. And there's also the one that says non-land, 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 non-creature permanent, which is the Witherbloom command that can kill enchantments and artifacts too. I also just want to take a brief moment to go to Tinfoil Hatland real quick. Okay, let's do it. Come, come with like something super chaotic, but imagine like a Phyrexian command. Like, oh my, <laughs> that would never that would never happen because it'd be like busted into eternity. But like. <laughs> But imagine a Phyrexian command. Sheesh! I'm getting, oh, I'm getting hot. This is Emberclave hot for me. We gotta move on. Well, you gotta stick that command under your bed, too. Oh. A Phyrexian command would be just like, I don't know, it would just be way too good. Like, it, you just, it would just have to be like four mana with one Phyrexian symbol, I guess, to make it three mana, but pay two yeah. life. It would just be like way too good. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but a command with X in its mana cost is like, oh, you know what? I just thought of something. You know those um, what what is the black modal spell that's like discard a card for each t mode you use? 
It's kind of like uh, it's kind of like thought sees, but it's not. Uh, Collective uh, brutality. That's it. Yep. So so mm-hmm. so there's a, there's a cycle of those, but like no one oh. ever plays them besides collective brutality. So this could be yeah, that right. kind of thing where where choose a number of modes where X is equal to the number of modes you choose. So you could pay yeah, two, you could pay two mana for command. one mode or three mana for two modes, four mana for three modes. Yeah, I was thinking that would be cool with like a cryptic command kind of thing. Yeah, so that that, that sounds like it would be pretty cool, and I wouldn't be surprised if that's something that they did. All right, let's move on to the next one. Yes. A spell that mimics an element of the effect of a creature that was originally printed with the picture of a world champion on it. Okay, I'm going to read that again because that's a freaking long sentence. A spell that mimics an element of the effect of a creature that was originally printed with the picture of a world champion on it. I, Um, I, okay, you guys wrap your mind around it before I do because I still don't. So, I guess we're saying a spell, so possibly instant or sorcery is what it tells me because it doesn't say a creature well a creature is also a spell so like... well but it says like a spell that mimics the element of an effect of a creature that was like the wording on that makes me think it's not a creature right uh effect of a creature that was originally printed with the picture of a world champion on it. and to me like the only thing like it seems to be too obvious it was pvddr because that just happened but like if it was like javier's like what was his thing uh it was it was a fervent champion fervent champion like i could imagine a fervent champion type of effect where it's like um equip costs are less for every like attacking creature or like or like something like he he was like allowed to equip things for one or something it was zero actually right yeah or zero so like maybe there's a spell that says like you can equip things that you want for zero for this turn or something it's like two or three mana which is still scary as hell like (laughs) knowing what kind of artifacts exist like you can probably do some potentially buses if that's the effect that we're looking i mean this is just highlighting javier's card i don't know what other world champion cards there have been i mean there is speaking of that that's actually something i talked about in my discord and on stream when i was going over this is that when i was uh, someone was asking about this specific thing and i was and i mentioned fervent champion as something that might be an element of effect that a creature with a world champion on it would have that could be as a part of a card in the new set and it it makes me think about the reconfigure cards that are still in standard that -hmm. it would go with this because there's lizard blades that's still there there's like rabbit battery that's still there there's like the the two mana white card that exiles cards out of the opponent's graveyard that's still in standard and it lets those cards uh, reconfigure for zero if it did have that ability so that's like really cool that's wild and it also works with artifacts so i think that would be pretty cool um it, 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 what, what other world champion car- cards are there the first one that came to mind for me after paulo which i don't think it is um is um ranger captain of eos mm. i i forget who was on that arc but i vaguely remember it being a world champion and it does seem like the kind of spell um like something that could be turned easily into a spell, right? A lot of creature effects would be better suited on enchantments rather than instants or sorceries. Um, but Ranger Captain could just like tutor two one drops from your deck. And that seems like something that would be in line with, you know, low to the ground artifacty kind of things. And you can imagine fetching something like Death Shadow with that or fetching like, um, yeah, uh, Shivan Devastator or something in standard. Yeah. That'd be pretty cool. I have an idea. Okay. Uh, when you were talking about the Ranger Captain of Eos, 
Mm-hmm. I thought about the other mode of Angel Captain Vios because you know what artifact? This is, this is an artifact set. Like, what if Hope of Gearper gets reprinted? Because Hope of Gearper has oh, the same text. Oh, yes. What, that has the same text as Ranger Captain. Your opponent, if it deals combat damage, like your opponent can't cast non-creature spells, and it's exactly the same thing that Ranger Captain has. But what it's if, not a spell. Well, well, yeah, but a spell that like, could mean anything, right? It doesn't have to be an instant or sorcery. Yeah, could be. Uh, could in be this the, context, I feel like it does. Yeah, I, it kind of seems like it, it's a spell. But what if just what if Hope of Gear is reprinted? I would love that. That would be pretty cool. Happy. All right, let's move on to the next one. A Teferi yeah. with a new... Oh, a Teferi? Okay. I, ju- I should just stop reading now. Right, let's go to the next one after that. All right, never mind. A Teferi mm-hmm. with a new way to gain loyalty counters. Okay, I have something to say about this. Because uh, someone in the in my Discord was also saying, what if you put two of these together and said Teferi gets loyalty counters when you end the turn? So maybe it's like the ultimate or something, or maybe like a minus six or something on it. Minus five could be... You know, end the turn and put loyalty counters on Teferi, but you can only use it like on at sorcery speed or something. Someone, someone had that idea because sometimes Maro, uh, Mark Rosewater does like to put multiple of these together. But w- do you have any ideas of a new way to gain loyalty counters that we haven't seen before? So I was trying to think to back to planeswalkers that gain loyalty um, in non-standard ways without activating their abilities. There's a Chandra, and the first one. Uh, Chandra? Yeah, oh, the the, yeah, pl- sure. the plus one is like no, the zero is like add a loyalty counter to every Chandra you control. Yeah, I mean to me that's still activate a loyalty ability, gain loyalty. But I was thinking of Garuk from uh, Throne of Eldraine uh, when wolves die, it pops yep. you. So some sort of like tribal to fairy thing that you're that you're doing anyway. So like maybe on each end step if you cast a spell this turn. Um, or whenever you you cast an instant or something like that. Yeah, that seems more on track with what Teferi wants. I was trying to think, like, what is, like, you know, because Teferi is normally, like, time-tempo-oriented. Like, him as a... When you think about Teferi as a a planeswalker, you think time, you think tempo, or you think gaining cards or something. And I think more in lines what you're saying, Airball, I feel like uh, I'm just agreeing with you. I'm co-signing. Like, yeah, that seems something more along the lines of, like, for how many instants or sorceries you cast this turn, Teferi gains X amount of loyalty or whatever, you know? And it's just that maybe his his down ticks, maybe he has no up ticks, and maybe it's just, like, he has really big down ticks, and they're, like, they're expensive, and then, like, the ultimate's, like, nine, or and then, like, a down tick is, like, three or four, if you're maybe three or two or three or something like that, but, like, you need to cast instants or sorceries to get his, his loyalty up would seem kind of more on par of like how to design this planeswalker yeah that, that'd be crazy if a minus was like if it came in as like a four mana to fairy with like you know five loyalty and like the minus four it has like a minus four or something that said you know do some effect but it, but then after you cast an instant or sorcery spell put a loyalty counter on it yeah and there's like no plussing because like that would be too busted if you could plus and give him loyalty via instants and sorceries or something like yeah that. it'd be like oko or something like that that just never had to minus ever <laughs> yeah. I think it's a relatively safe bet that there will be some way to put loyalty on the Teferi on your opponent's turn. Uh in like to mirror hmm, the Teferi Master of Time from what was it, Corset twenty or something? Yeah, like, Corset twenty. Turn. I really like that Teferi too. I wish he was like utilized more. I used him in a pretty cool deck, but like yeah. That, I mean that, I've that seen was a very cool Teferi. I've seen Teferi Master of Time utilized more in commander than anything else because you can plus it on each person's turn. 
and then it, when it comes yeah. back to you if you're playing in a four or five person pod it's just you just take another turn like on your next turn of cast, uh, after you cast it which is insane um all right let's move on to the next one equipment with equip soldier i don't, I don't think this one's like too interesting but mm -hmm. it says equip only to a soldier usually cards that say this have equipped soldier for like one mana or zero and then mm -hmm. and then like a regular equip cost of like three or four like something more expensive yeah that's it's more for those tribal commander players as, as far as i'm concerned <laughs> like well, oh, i got a whole bunch of soldiers well, <laughs> <laughs> well well i mean i mean there's this new soldier lord that came out in standard this past set exactly and there's a lot of good cards that you wouldn't think are soldiers and yeah. if the equipment's good enough i mean it's a stretch here but if the equipment's good enough and the mana and the mana cost to equip is cheap enough could be looking at a number cleave. Just saying. That's true. Also, I apologize to all the commander players out there. Thank you for everything. Y'all are keeping the game alive and content flowing. <laughs> Y'all are amazing. You're so good. Love you. Mm -hmm. That wasn't sarcastic. No, really, it no. wasn't. No, I'm not oh. being sarcastic either. It just Love wasn't. Them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, anything to say about this one, Airball? Not really. Nice to see that there's going to be some soldier support. We'll see if it actually gets there in any competitive format. All right, moving on to the next one. A new onulet. I had to look up what this was. Same. I had never heard of this before. All right, what what do you think of a new onulet airball? Oh, actually, no, no, Michael, go for it. Okay, yeah. So this is this is tinfoil again. This is tinfoil. This All right, is everyone, put your tinfoil hats on. Wait, tin wait, no. Pause artificer. it. Pause the video. Pause the YouTube video. Pause okay. the podcast. Find a hat. Put it on. All right. We're good now. Tinfoil artificer Mishra-ness in my brain right now. What's happening is... All right. Standard, right? Standard. They just banned Meat Hook Massacre. And sometimes wizards have banned things in preparation for something else dropping so they don't have to take the heat. And so my thought is the opposite of an onulet as far as gaining life like you drain and maybe they thought that effect in tandem with meat hook massacre would completely obliterate the format because of drain effects so i'm thinking and that lines up kind of with mishra's story why would you print something like it says something like a new onolet and the onolet is game two so why don't you do something like there's mishra involved there's phyrexians involved you know why don't you do like some sort of if this thing goes to the graveyard it drains or something like that and they're worried about like oh we're printing a lot of artifacts there's artifact um what equal recursion happening in this set because like there's a bunch of artificers and in tandem with like the anvil and the meat hook massacre and maybe this new onalette like is just too much damn and so they're you know so i think maybe perhaps the meat hook banning because to some people it didn't make sense and to some people it did so maybe perhaps a little bit more making sense of it you know tinfoil artificer that they that they made an onulet, but like drain onulet, I guess. Or a like strictly lose life onulet instead of gain life would be interesting. That did some kind of bet, like really good effect that made you lose life. I, I said drain. I just mean like, you know, pinging your opponent, like draining, like essentially, you know, taking their life away. That's ah. what I mean. But oh, instead oh, of I meant take your own I know life draining away. means like, I, I know, oh, your own life. Yeah, for some maybe effect. Sure. Yeah. What about your ball? <clears throat> Yeah, I, I think you're right on, actually. Uh, that hadn't occurred to me, but I, I think that's a pretty safe bet. It's just the mirror opposite of what the current Amulet does. 
Uh, and I'm imagining just artifact decks with like Paradox Engine and Emery and recurring stuff from the graveyard. And it's nice to at least know that those will end the game a lot faster than they currently do. I mean, you can only play, <laughs> I mean, how, how many formats can you play Paradox Engine now? Is it just like Legacy, Vintage, and Historic? I think so. Because it's, it's, for which? Because it's, uh, Paradox Engine's banned in Commander oh, yeah. and it's banned in Modern. Paradox Engine. Why is this not? I'm gonna look at it. Every, every time you cast a spell, untap all of your artifacts. That's what right? I thought it was. That's all not bad in Commander. Oh, all of your non-lane permanents. Yeah. Every time you cast a spell, untap it? your non-lane permanents. So you just cast. You just play a bunch of mana rocks and keep untapping your mana rocks, and you can get a lot of ways to have infinite mana. When was it banned? Yeah, or just untap Emery over and over again. Yeah, untap, untap Emery, Emery cast a spell from the graveyard, cast a spell like Mox Amber. Right. Like it's just way too good. Uh, when did it get banned? I don't know, like three years ago? It, it, yeah, it got banned a long time ago. Well, so I, I guess relatively. this card in Commander at some point, so I guess I was... Okay, anyway. Yeah, so yeah, sure. an onulet, an onulet, new onulet makes sense if it's take life, especially if it's yeah. Phyrexian costed. That too. Because that would also take your life. Yeah. That would so. be too good, wouldn't it? Well, they like... would just make it extra expensive and put Phyrexian on it, like the, like oh, the, okay. um, like the, the Defilers... Like, they're not really played outside of the green defiler because it says a permanent spell, and it also, it, the, the cards are just too expensive to play. Like, even the red defiler at four mana, even as a four mana four four first strike creature, still is kind of too expensive to play in mono red. So, they would make, they would just make it more expensive. But, anyways, let's move on to the next one. Sure. Oh my gosh, I just got progenitus vibes. Protection from everything returns. No oh boy. But you know what gets around protection from everything? Farewell. Bone Crusher Giant. <laughs> Bone Crusher Giant, yeah, that, and Farewell. Like, it has protection from yep. sorceries and protection from everything, but still gets exiled with Farewell. So, interesting. What do we think about protection from everything returning? Are we going to see, like, a new version of, oh my uh, goodness, did Progenitus uh, get Phyrexianized? Uh, no pain. way. No freaking way. I just... All I think about is pain. I hate anything that has protection from anything or hexproof <laughs> or anything. <laughs> Because I like interacting, and I like one for wanting my opponent, and then protection from everything does not... One for wanting a protection from everything just does not work for you, ever. Like, just, it just doesn't. If you, if you ever show up to a tournament, and Michael Kritz is there, you must show up with boggles, and then watch him sweat throughout the 30 <sighs> minutes of never being able to answer your creature, because that's hexproof. I killed, like, I've killed most of my boggle opponents, but I just hate the process of it. I just hate it. <laughs> I, just, I just hate it. <laughs> it's a pretty dangerous effect to print, right? Protection from everything, because there's very limited things that you can do as a set designer to hose protection from everything, like almost by definition. Well, I mean, just like a so, sweeper. Well, if it's something that gets hit by a sweeper, right? Like if you if you have like a snakeskin veil or whatever that gives something protection from everything, um, then that can be pretty hard for a sweeper to hit if it's like a uh, planeswalker or something else. I, uh, I, I if, if a planeswalker this... had protection from everything, that means it can't take. Wait, that means it could technically uh, still take damage from attacks though, because loyalty counters like aren't really measured in protection. So I guess a planeswalker could technically have protection and still die I mean, to a, a creature attacking it, right? I'm not a judge, but I don't think that's true. I think I that have... the damage is dealt mm. to Planeswalkers, and mm. then as a result, loyalty counters are removed. No, loyalty counters is, a, like, I think it's a going to zero is a state-based action, so it would actually just be, like, minus-minus counters, like a Meat Hook Massacre on an indestructible creature. I've, I've attacked a Planeswalker before with a creature, and it got Snakeskin Veiled, like the Planeswalker did, and it still died. 
How did the planeswalker get snakeskin veil? Because snakeskin veil says target permanent. Does oh, really? Yeah, it does. You can target lands with it. Um. No, not not snakeskin veil. The other one, the one that gains life and gives indestructible. The other one. Tamio safekeeping. Oh, Tamio safekeeping. Yeah, Tamio safekeeping. Um, it says target permanent, and they targeted their planeswalker, and I still killed it by attacking it. Trust me, it works. It's it. it I think it's. Nice. I think it's a weird like you know minus X minus X kind it, of ruling state based action. It, like it still dies. I just looked it up. It does not give protection. It gives hexproof. Well, and it also gives indestructible. Yeah. So so technically, if plane if a planeswalker is losing loyalty counters, does it actually take damage, or is it just losing loyalty? That that's the I thing. I think it takes damage, and then it loses loyalty counters as a result, and then as a state based action, when it has zero loyalty counters, it gets uh, it, it dies. See, this but is why everyone I, listens to our podcast, because, because we conjecture magic, actual Magic the Gathering rules together while Michael Kritz shakes I'm his head. I'm pretty confident about this. I'm still just shaking my head because you don't know how much trauma and pain protection from everything has given me. It's it's so much trauma and pain, and I'm still trying to process it because I hate any if, card like that. If you guys are listening to the podcast and not watching the YouTube video, you are missing out because uh, my, Michael's face belongs on like a migraine medicine commercial. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> true. It really fucking does. I just, I can't. I just, it hurt. There's nothing that causes more pain and magic than just some smirky little punk on the other side of the table. <laughs> like, <laughs> Appetition from everything. You like one for winning me. <laughs> wait, like, wait, hold on. I want to see you two play in a in a match against each other with Michael playing with uh, Michael playing Rakdos and you airball playing blue light control and just watch Michael go <laughs> counter my spell <laughs> silly little punk <laughs> what are you gonna do counter my next spell <laughs> yeah yo sick, yo sick plays man what are you gonna have now wandering emperor oh <laughs> <laughs> what do you have? What do you have? I mean, to that's fairy? honestly how I imagine all of my arena. Opponents, so. <laughs> what, what are you gonna have to fairy now? Oh yeah, go figure. You almost the perfect card at the perfect time. Control players <laughs> is fine. It's fine. It's protection from everything. I, gosh, just bad. That's funny. All right, well that that was a fun segment there. Okay, let's go on to the next one because we have a little bit more left to go. Uh, a white creature that taps to let you and an opponent draw a card. Okay, my first thing about this is trash. why do all the white cards say both players draw a card besides like literally wedding announcement? Like wasn't there trash. wasn't there is, why is there cards like like divine gambit that just do things to both for both players and it's unplayable? Like wasn't there also a card that was printed fairly recently that drew a drew you and your opponent like two cards? Why why do cards that white has keep doing this? And they're just trying to keep it, make it work. And it's just, I don't know. I don't, I don't understand. There's people who are very smart who make the the games of the James of magic, the games of magic. Did you just say the James of magic? The James of magic. And so I don't like, maybe there, there is something that they're trying to figure out a formula. They're trying to figure out of like, what is the floor and ceiling of a perfect, you draw a card and your opponent draws a card that is worth playing. And I don't know if they'll ever get there because card advantage is one of the biggest aspects of magic and you know letting your opponent because you let your opponent draw a card you so like the reason why I, i'm just gonna break it super quick the reason why this is bad you spent your mana so that you can draw a card and you play this creature right well you've given your opponent a card and options and they have not yet spent their mana because their turn is coming up so it's just inherently usually bad because you've given your opponent so much flexibility for drawing a card, and they also have access to all their mana, where you have invested your mana 
to draw yourself a card and give a free card to your opponent. So you've essentially spent mana to give your opponent a card, which is just generally just bad. So right. like outside of I a card like Urtai, Urtai resurrected in center right now, the four mana um, blue black uh, flash creature that says counter That's spell true. or ability, then they draw a card if 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 you counter their spell, right, or destroy their permanent, they draw a card. But usually they've already used their mana, so you don't like you, it's it's bad for them to draw a card. But you've countered the spell; they've already used their mana. Then it goes to your turn. Which is yeah. a lot better than what you said. Right. Yeah. So that's why a card like Urtai would be really good. Whereas a card like this a card like this is usually bad, but you never know. It could say both players draw a card, give this like five plus one plus one counters. It probably won't. But it's something like is something that's like really that good? Like how good would a card have to be to give you and your opponent a draw and still be like really good? For white flash, I will stop there. Because I don't want to like overspeak in this topic. But if it has flash, maybe, and it's a good creature. But maybe it does say t it does I say will, it taps though. I will point out that it says an opponent. This this kind of effect is usually a lot better in commander than it is in two player games because the at least you're gaining card advantage over two people on the board and it has political elements too. I think yes. it's probably more of a commander focused card than one that's targeted for serious play. Yeah, you know, like Divine yeah. Gambit. All right, um, the next one is one colored artifact. This makes me think like it's a vehicle. Or maybe it's like an Emery type card. But it doesn't say it's, it doesn't say it's an artifact creature. It just says one colored artifact. So like when I think about that, I think of Embercleave. I think of, you know, I think of like the Dwarven, the Dwarven draft vehicle or whatever it was. Dwarven something. I think of a Seekers Chariot. Uh, I think okay. of, I think of, I think of more of vehicles than like actual artifacts. But there are definitely artifacts that are colored that I'm not thinking of that are not vehicles. There's it's like an be... electrostatic something that it gets charge counters and you can pay four mana and tap the artifact to deal to deal damage to an opponent's creature equal to or any target actually equal to the number of charge counters it has on it. So like there's different things like that with card colored artifacts. So what jumps out to me here is the negative inference. This means that there is exactly one colored artifact, which means all the other mm -hmm. artifacts are non-colored or colorless, which means they can go into any deck. And if you have an artifact-based set, then you're probably going to have some powerful artifacts in it. And this kind of scares me, and I hope we don't have another Smuggler's Copter situation where there's just some artifact that goes into literal every deck because you can, and it's that I good. mean, I could just name one right now in Standard, Reckoner Bankbuster. Like, what deck is that not in, you know? Like, it's even making its way into Pioneer. Like, Rakdos Midrange is even sideboarding two copies of Reckoner Bankbuster right now because it's that good. Yeah, but Bankbuster's no Smuggler's Copter. Oh, I for sure. Am, I'm a lot more worried that they overstep with that. Uh, also, this colored artifact, like I, we, we just think it's gonna be blue, right? Like, there's no shots a different color in this set. I mean, no, no, no. It could be any color. Like, there's. I mean, I don't think so. I, I don't. I don't think it has to be blue. I think it has to be blue. I think it's likely to be blue. It's, it's yeah. likely, but I don't think it has to be. Oh, I guess, yeah, I okay. Well, yeah, I, right, like, I don't want to just 100% like, call, you know what, no, there's three of us hosts, you know, we all have different answers, I'm gonna say 100% it's blue. Alright, 100% it's purple. Alright, moving on. Next, here are some rules text that will be showing up on cards. The first one is, create a tapped Power Stone token for each other creature you control. What was that, Michael? I don't know. I'm just, I don't know. It's just too much, too hard to process this card. I don't know. 
I mean, I, I, I first off, I don't like tapped treasure tokens to begin with, and this is tapped a, a tapped worse than treasure token. Like, it's a power stone token, which means it, it, power stones say that you can use the mana only to you can you can't use the mana to cast non artifact spells, which means you can use it to cast artifacts and then also use the mana for any ability. But it creates them tapped, and it's for each creature you control. So you have to be playing an artifact or or mana sinky creature deck for this to be good. Imagine like mono blue or blue white artifacts in historic, right? You got your Esper Sentinel, your Thought Monitor, uh, and they all contribute to affinity for things like Emery and Tezzeret and whatever whatever else you put in. I think this will probably find a home, maybe not in standard, but. Uh... Uh, creating a tap power stone token, an artifact for every creature in play when they are probably also artifacts. It is probably something that Affinity will want. Obviously, we need to see the card, but. Does this make Karn playable? The new Karn? <laughs> no. I don't think so. What Karn makes. <laughs> what Karn makes power stone. So maybe it could be like, you know, power stone tribal, like deal a damage for each power stone you control. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't oh know what's cards are in the set. Either there's going to be a red card that says deal one damage to any target for each power stone you control. Watch. Yo, yeah, if, yeah. If, if, this, if, if this makes Karn playable, that literally just becomes like the Karn deck. Like you make a literal archetype out of the Karn deck. Like the Karn, Karn like you would focus this whole deck around Karn and Power Stones, essentially, if it's what you propose. Because that, that, exactly. that, that Planeswalker is so unplayable. It's Wait, but listen, I mean, they, they, Mark Rosewater has something up his sleeve, okay? Okay, if you're not watching this from YouTube, definitely just watch what Michael just did. But um, listen, there's got to be something to this, right? They didn't just print Karn just to make it completely unplayable. Karn is so iconic, okay? It has to be good. They printed... Wizards prints cards with the next sets in mind, okay? That's how you know the next card is going to be more playable than it was in this format. That's how you know. Okay, stop smiling. <laughs> no, but I, I think I think it, it might... You know, I'm just trying to make a case for Power Stones, okay? Anyway, so okay. Let's, let's just... I'm just trying to make a case for Power Stones. I, I don't like them. I don't think they're good. But, you know, if, if they were good, it would probably with be with something with this card create a tap power stone for each other creature you control can you imagine playing like wedding announcement and then playing this card and then getting like five power stones and then they're just like pumping up your team and then do a damage for each power stone you control and like use all the mana play x spells use the use the command that we just talked about earlier to command x equals six and then yeah except you can't use power stones to cast command Okay, the command will be an artifact. All right, anyway. Um, oh, great. Okay. <laughs> it'll be an be, oh my gosh, it'll be an artifact sorcery. I'm onto something. Are you just talking about a remote control? Are they making a remote control? <laughs> <laughs> Is Karn going to be sitting on a couch flicking, flicking surfing channels and shit? <laughs> With a whole bunch of power stones around him like a deadbeat dad and just flicking the remote? Is that what magic is? What if they, no, seriously, what if they made artifact instants and sorceries? That would be trippy. I don't that know what would that would cool. even mean. Like, are they like? Uh, would it be like uh, legendary spells where you can only do it if you control an artifact or something? Yeah, like Karn's Temporal Sundering. <gasps> oh my goodness, Karn's Temporal Sundering number two. If you control a legendary, if you control a planeswalker, like a legendary or something, end the turn. Oh, oh my! All right. Anyway, let's move on. 
Put a plus one plus one counter on target assembly worker you control. Assembly workers are coming back. It's nice to know that the car the creature type that I always use when I cast Crippling Fear uh, is finally going to have some representation on Arena. I think this will probably well, be yeah. the first way to get an assembly worker on Arena. You can't just always say assembly worker now. You have to actually think. Right, you have to go to like the second one. Oh gosh, place. what's the second one in line? Uh, past I, assembly I, no, worker? I've never looked. <laughs> Nobody knows. It's just, you always just click assembly worker and it already and it always works. No pun intended. Mm -hmm. But like, this time it won't work. But put a plus one, plus one counter on target assembly worker you control. Like, I don't know. Like, what what is that supposed to like? If it said put a plus one plus one counter on target creature you control, we wouldn't be talking about this. But because it says assembly worker, now we're interested. Like, no, it's just no, no, no not good. Let's move on. My baseless havens are going to get a lot of counters on them. Oh my gosh, there are assembly the workers assembly too. Worker on the client. <laughs> yeah. Uh, whenever one or more creatures with mana value three or less enter the battlefield under your control, so it says one or more. So you know whatever. Um, this reminds me of like a welcoming vampire type effect. You don't, maybe you have to pay mana to do this. Maybe you don't, but mana value three or less definitely does not say power two or less like welcoming vampire does. Mana value three or less encompasses a little bit more creatures than that. So what do you think about these type of abilities? I, I tend to like them. They're like a little bit more build around me. So I, and it makes it, you think about your deck choices. So I think I kind of like it. Uh, yeah, it I, probably means that tokens are going to get a buff. Yeah. That's what I'll say, too, because, like, the challenge is you're playing a three drop on turn three, and then on turn four, instead of playing a four mana, like, straight up four mana card, you're going to play, like, maybe a three and a one or a two and a two or, like, a couple or two ones. But, like, are you really doing something powerful with your deck? And, and we're framing I'm framing this within standard. If you're doing something like that, I'm unsure. Especially Other than like wedding announcement and, and something like removal, but I don't know. Like wedding, uh, welcoming vampire is already like semi-playable and standard, and it can only trigger once per turn. This can trigger multiple times per turn, as it says here. Um, yeah. So you can just play another creature, get the whatever effect this is, and then your wedding announcement goes off at your end step, get another effect again. So um, could be pretty good. All right, next up yeah. is permanents you control have ward sacrifice a permanent. <laughs> yeah that's that that's that that's that that's that i like i like that, that that's what i want right there mm -hmm. we like those it says permanence you control have ward sacrifice a permanent so they can't even field of ruin your lands without sacrificing one of their other permanents mm -hmm. yep. like they can't even like target your planeswalker with removal without sacrificing a permanent yeah like doesn't these. stop board wipes it doesn't stop like liliana minuses it doesn't stop Void rend, which is still in the format. Yeah, but yeah, this is definitely a spicy one. Well, like that never mm -hmm. stopped graveyard trespasser from being really good. It, it, or it, also in an, in an artifact set, if we're having a, if we're just vomiting a bunch of crappy little artifacts onto the board, sacrificing a permanent might not be that difficult to do. Also, imagine what this might implicate, though, if like you're playing this in like Pioneer or something, and you're and this is like a Rakdos. I'm imagining because I'm sacrificed, but you know, I like Rakdos. Imagine. Um, but you're playing it even like mid range or sacrifice, and like you know they they trigger ward and response to ward triggering. You remove their only creature or important thing, mm -hmm. and then their battlefield's clear other than just lands. They, and sack then they land. have to they have to sack <laughs> land. <laughs> like their only other choice is to sack a land or let the thing. That's just not... that. That's crazy. That seems nasty. That's nuts. That's... 
that does seem nasty. I don't know what kind of implications this means, but like clear your opponents of like any permits other than lands, and they're like, all right, you can just keep it because I can't afford to sacrifice I mean, some land. I mean, if you get your opponent on like one of the on this effect, really like at a good timing, they might just concede. Yeah, sure. Like I, I don't know what what the effect this could be on. It could just be on like a seven mana unplayable uncommon only designed for draft. But, yeah, but like exactly. it, it could just be on a really good card, like you know, Graveyard Trespasser. At first, when Graveyard, yeah, like a, when Graveyard Trespasser first came out, like I think it it took a, like a couple weeks for it to even like start seeing uh like a ton of play, and then everyone realized like how good Ward Discarder card actually was. So, um, if if you're not creating a bunch of blood tokens and treasure tokens and power stone tokens, they <laughs> <laughs> have to sacrifice Karn because what else is he gonna do? You can sacrifice the power stone tokens. They're great when your opponent has permanents you control of Ward. Sacrifice a permanent, easy sacrifice fodder. All right, whenever you cast an artifact spell with mana value six or greater. Okay, that should just say once per turn when you cast it. Like whenever you cast it, like you're not going to do more than more than one per turn. Like probably unless you have power stone tokens. That's mana value, right? So you think back to the formats where, th where there's things with affinity. Um, you could, um, you could get artifacts cast pretty cheaply. I mean, if you have a bunch of power stone tokens, right? Yeah, yeah, you can do a power stone. You do affinity. Actually, if affinity is a thing in the set. With power stone tokens, grant okay. Then we're maybe talking something. Ah, then Karn is playable. Okay, okay. It's like it'll be called the deck will be called Karn Affinity. I'm putting on the tinfoil Karn hat on. It's, no, it's, it's going to be called Karnfinity. Yeah, your tinfoil hat has gotten a big workout this podcast. I yeah, <laughs> well, you're reading these. Take it off. You, you're just reading these articles and supposed to glean info from like these cryptic things. So like tinfoil's coming on. I'm not a tinfoil person in real life whatsoever, but like yeah, content, but, but, maybe but, pod, but podcast podcast happens and you're you're live and tinfoil hat goes on your head. Yeah, yeah. So if there's affinity plus this thing, we're talking. But like, how many six drop? Like, think about standards past. Like, which which standard decks had more than like four six mana cards in it? More than like six value and higher had wait, more than four of those in their deck. Wait, wait. Hold on, I have an idea. You know what the what artifact is mana value six? The Mortal the the blue gear hulk. Oh, torrential gear hulk. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Torrential gear hulk is man, is six mana value as an artifact. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um. Let's see. Mono green in pioneer has six mana artifacts that they can get from the other henge. from Karn Great Crater. There's Great Henge. There's Ember Cleave. <laughs> there's the other six mana artifacts um i don't think there's like a lot of other ones bootlegger stash comes to mind but like no one plays that um artifacts of mana value six greater just like don't happen right i guess there's mirror shell crab i guess there's meteor golem there, there's some cards i can think of sure one of the nice things about this text too is that it's on cast uh not like when it enters the battlefield or something that's so true too. one of the big weaknesses of casting a big six mana artifact is just there's a good chance it's just going to get countered. Yeah. But if it's on like some one drop creature or whatever that has this text, then uh, it could be like an edge wall keeper for artifacts. Yep. Well, I actually do think Mirror Shell Crab gets better if this is an all artifact set. If you get a payoff for having a lot of artifacts, Mirror Shell Crab is a counter target spell or counter target of activated and triggered ability unless they unless your its controller pays three as a channel ability. And then it also, it's also like a seven mana, like five, seven hexproof or something like that. 
or like ward four or something some crazy but it's a it's just a really big artifact so if you can get value out of having an artifact already there that you can eventually cast when you have this card on the board that can get you a lot of value maybe that's something that you could be playing anyways let's go to the next one for each card type among non-creature spells you've cast this turn Okay, so this is a cool deck building thing, right? Because you can be like, okay, how many non-creature spells can I do that are all different? Like, I have an instant, a sorcery, and a planeswalker, and an artifact, and an enchantment. So, like, how many of those can I cast in a turn to trigger this uh, supposedly really powerful or build-around card? So artifact creatures immediately... Oh, no, they don't. I was going to say they immediately count for two, but they don't, because it's non-creature spells. Mm-hmm. Is there only five? Because, like, what? There's, there's normally seven... So there's seven types, right, in magic? Because there's, I forget the the tribal spell thing, but there's seven types, right? Yeah. So in magic, so, yeah. so now you remove two from that equation because you're not counting artifacts and you're not. No, counting... we're counting artifacts. Non-creature. Uh, it's a card type of a non-creature Sorry, I mean, spell. We're not ta- We're not counting creatures, and we're not going to be counting the unless they're they're coming up with tribal spells again, which I doubt. So like, there's only five types that yeah. you can do essentially yeah so it's uh planeswalker artifact instant sorcery enchantment yeah it's five yeah so it's it's like a it's like a cool delirium-esque build around where it's like how many different things can i play in my deck and have it all cohesively work together yeah this feels very close to more something that you want to play maybe in a mid-range so like maybe it's something good for esper mid-range if it's like it within those colors because I, I actually, I, actually I think it would be have, do you have each type in the esper mid-range no you, you, no you don't you have like you have like instant sorcery artifact but you don't have like many enchantments outside wedding announcement but you can make it work um you can play yeah, yeah. You, you could play um wandering emperor as a planeswalker wedding announcement as an enchantment artifact um record or bank buster or treasure tokens or bloods or you know not bloods but treasure tokens i don't know how you'd make treasure tokens in esper actually so it's probably just record or bank buster um and then for incident sorcery of course there's a bunch of those in esper colors so it's fairly easy to do in esper i was thinking more of like a red based deck because fable the mirror breaker gives you like an enchantment and a treasure token so it gives you that and an artifact yeah, um which is because you, you you didn't cast that treasure oh it doesn't it say on the board it says when you cast it yeah no. cast yep okay so like this, e- this is a very hard thing to evaluate but i i my instinct is that it's going to be bad because by the time you're casting that many spells in a turn anyway, you're probably already winning. Yeah, it's true, too. Yeah, you know what would let you cast, like, more spells than normal, actually? Power Stone Tokens. Oh, boy. All right, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> That's just, I don't know why it's so funny for me to say. You know, you know what, you know what, James? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to curse at you. Fuck you. So you, <laughs> you literally, one day of your streaming, you have to make a fucking Power Stone deck. <laughs> for one of your goddamn streams a day of your streams you have to commit to the bit bro you gotta do power stre- power stone gaming only for one day as content because you keep trying to make it events. work it's, yeah, it's, 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 I, I do a, a 10 win challenge series and i i do i'm not I'm, i do a thing that's like i'm not ending stream until i get 10 wins with some jank deck you did it to so yourself. Like, I did it to myself. The, the, my next one's gonna be Grixis Mill, and I have no idea how I'm gonna get ten wins. It might take nine hours, but um, <laughs> yeah. But anyways, it could be a Power Stone deck. Anyways, let's move on to the next one. Uh, it is create a tapped three three colorless zombie artifact creature token. Yeah, yeah. I mean, creating three threes is really good. 
Yeah. Yeah, that power creep. They're usually two twos, right? They're usually like one one. Like zombies are usually two twos, but a lot of things are one ones that just get created. But creating yeah. three threes, I mean, maybe it's just like a a five mana one one artifact that just makes a three three next to it. You know how some yeah. some some cards do that. That's good. It's good virtual cardboard. It's good virtual value. So you know. It could be decent. I think if we just think about it from different format, right? Like limited, that's probably a bomb card, to be honest. Like you're you're doing something and you're creating a three three colors zombie artifact creature token. Might be pretty pretty good. Yeah. yeah. And artifacts that put pressure on your opponents are usually pretty good because they act they advance your artifact game plan and also just force the opponent to engage with your board. Yeah, for sure. All right, next one is look at the cards in each pile. Oh, this one actually tripped me out so much when I read it the first time. Look at the cards in each pile, then return a pile yeah. of your choice face up. Like, yeah. no, it, it just says then turn a pile of your choice face up. It doesn't say return. It just says then turn. Okay, look at the cards in each pile, then turn a pile of your choice face up. Like yes. what yeah. could this card like say? Factor fiction, factor fiction, or like Atris or that kind of thing. Atris, I remember Atris. I played that. The only question, I guess, is whether the cards will come from the top of your deck or the top of your opponent's deck. But it's it's hard to. There's only so much hidden information in Magic. It's the cards in your up the top of your library. Like it's it got to be one or the other. Like right? it would have to be. Like. It would have to be like giving your opponent the choice, right? Because you look at the cards in each pile. So you have two piles. You look at the cards in each pile. So you're you're looking at them. And then like you put them face down for your opponent and then you turn one of them face up. And like your opponent has yeah, to like choose. Yeah, factor fiction or atris but without you making the piles, which I think is a nice little hack to make the games go quicker with those spells but also keeping the fun. So you so you're saying opponent would choose there. the piles and then you look at them and turn one face up? My guess is like it's exile the top 5 cards face down, look and uh sort them into two piles um randomly one pile of three one pile of two and then look you get to look at each and you turn one of them face up and then your opponent chooses which pile to give to you or something like that that is just trippy i don't know well usually, usually cards like this are either really freaking good or awful and i don't think there's yep. an in-between yep all right moving on the next one is gains your choice of flying vigilance death touch or haste I've seen a card like this before. It was like a three mana four five, and it give it, no. It wasn't three mana four five. Whatever it was, four mana three three. It was something like that. It was a creature that it had your choice of putting a death touch counter, menace counter, or lifelink counter. I think it was from like Ikoria or something. It was a black creature that let you do this, but it wasn't very good because the rate wasn't as good on it. But if the rate is good on a card like this, that's broken. You know, haste is such an important word there. Giving things haste is one of the most powerful things you can do. I mean, magic. coming from a control player. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What happens if this is on an artifact that you tap and these things happen? Oh, like tap this artifact, a creature of your choice gains your choice of flying, vigilant, death, or haste? Like something four mana, then these abilities, because that would seem balanced, or it's broken. And it's like. Oh, no, that would be three. really good, because you could like make, uh, make a random 1 1, and then your opponent can never attack into your 1 1 because you instant speed with your artifact, you just give it death touch like whenever you want. Right. So that's what I'm thinking. It's like three mana would still seem would seem super broken, but four would probably bounce it just enough. But like this is an artifact uh, set. So what happens if because it's like Phyrexia stuff are happening with Mishra and stuff like that. So what happens if it's something where it's like a 
tap this artifact, something gives you can give a creature the the choice these choices at like any given moment. Yeah. That would seem really like like kind of along par of what power and stuff you want to be doing, and kind of would line up with lore maybe in a way. Like this looks like it might be like a red, black, blue, like 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 a Grixis card that can give haste and death touch and flying or vigilance because usually that's like a, a blue thing, or maybe it's like red, black, white to give flying vigilance, death touch or haste. But there's a couple of cards that are currently uh, in standard that do this. Right there's the five minute Elspeth Resplendent that you can either choose the choose the choice of flying vigilance, um, life link or first strike and put a plus one plus one counter on it with the plus one of Elspeth Resplendent. Um, you can also do something like this with uh, with an old with an older card, the old um, what's it called? The three mana planeswalker Gideon Gideon Blackblade that you can plus one to give something vigilance indestructible or like something like that. So usually those cards have been pretty good and playable. So we'll see if the rate on this one is playable enough. But usually this effect's pretty good. Uh, let's see whenever you cast a beast or bird creature spell okay beast and bird tribal 10 win challenge right yep go for it why are you oh, shaking yeah. why are you shaking your head michael you don't you don't you don't uh, believe in the bird beasts no also like I, I don't know this isn't entertaining whatsoever in any way like this does seem like something that would entertain perhaps airball in the sense of like birds are typically blue um beasts but beasts, beasts can be white too beasts can be white i think beasts can be white because there's cat beasts some and there's I, I think there's other beasts that have existed that are like a hybrid of another thing but we're white or so like hydroid crisis was a beast oh yeah hydroid crisis was a beast i think beasts are usually green i mean it wasn't hydroid crisis like everything though it might as well have said shapeshifter it was a it was a jellyfish hydra beast <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> it, 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 it should be just like a human also it could, it could be everything it could be a bird or a plane too um but the beast or bird is really interesting. Like, why would you, why would you like, distinguish just just these creature know. types in a card? I've never, I don't think I've ever seen a card that just distinguished two different creature types like that. They were very specific like this. I don't know, but it's probably yep. some kind of green card that's really good whenever you cast a, a beast or bird creature spell. It's like whenever you cast, it's like a, a blue green creature that's like that says like whenever you cast a beast or bird creature spell, like copy it, which would be pretty cool. Uh, uh, anyway, for the bird. <laughs> uh, finally here are some creature type lines in the set first one is artifact creature ape we're going to have an artifact ape kind of cool uh, what do you guys think of an artifact ape it's hilarious move on <laughs> <laughs> uh, cre creature mole horror oh, i like God. the thought of this i like the thought of it a mole horror i can't even picture that oh i can that weird. Um, next, Phyrexian War Artifact Creature Phyrexian Worm. We already know what this one is, right? Worm Coil Engine. If it's a reprint, it might be something else. Well, don't we? Don't yeah, we? Don't we already definitely know for sure that Phyrexian, uh, that uh, that uh, Worm Coil Engine is in the set? Do we? I, don't, I actually don't know. I'm pretty sure that Phyrexian and uh, that I keep saying Phyrexian Engine, uh, Worm Coil Engine was spoiled to be in the set, but I'm not 100% sure on that. Don't quote me on it, but um, if it is, that's what it would be. Artifact Creature Phyrexian Worm, right? Unless it's something else. If, if Wormclaw Engine is Phyrexian, and I know it was printed back in, like, New Phyrexia anyway, so maybe it is. Anyway, uh, Creature Phyrexian Human Assassin. Ooh, we like those. Uh, I don't I don't know what Urtai is. Maybe it's a Phyrexian Human Advisor or something, but I think Urtai is very similar to this creature type. 
but Phyrexian Human Assassin is seems like it would be like a you know mono black card or black white or blue black. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, creature Minotaur Barbarian. Sounds like a haste creature, Airball. Are you, what are you, are you, Probably. Minotaur Barbarian. Wait, don't Minotaurs have specific abilities or is that something else? What's the creature type in magic that you always have to cast while discarding a card? Is that a Minotaur? In magic? Or that's, that's, it's, it's, it's definitely like something. Like there's something that you cast. There's a creature type that you cast it and it always has the effect that you have to discard a card to cast it. And it's usually like super overstated, like a three mana five six. All right, oh, really? moving on. Elf Druid Soldier, which is would go with Soldier Tribal, of course. We have the Soldier card. We have the Soldier equipment that we already went over. Sounds interesting. Some Soldier support. Hopefully, it's good. Next one is Creature <laughs> Human Artificer Scout. Oh, the, the 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 scout that is near and dear to my heart is Golos, Band and Commander, but Rip Golos. Anyway, um, Human Artificer Scout. Might be might be one of the legendary ones because yeah. there, there's a legendary human artificer that's over ten of them. We know it's not actually because the rest of the spoiler explicitly says legendary creature for the legendary. Oh, oh that's true. All right, but yeah, human artificer scout could be strong. So yeah, I'd, I'd I'd keep eye on it. All right, there's three more to go over: legendary creature, human wizard advisor. Okay, cool. More advisors. Um, next up, legendary creature, elf druid scout. Probably green. I'm scared because <laughs> I am. Next up, and this is the last one, legendary creature, human artificer advisor. So this is one of the human artificers that is legendary. One of the over 10, it says, is a human artificer advisor. I'd be interested to see what the artificers are like, especially in an art artifact filled set, because a lot of artificers do some broken stuff. Like there's a, there's a, what was it? The the oh gosh i forgot the name of it but there's one psi master thopterist isn't that a, an artificer to where every time you cast a artifact you make a you make a one one there's a lot of cards that could say that in this new set that could that could make you know karn power stone tribal better but it could also just make you know Jesus other Christ. artifact other artifact decks better too yeah i i was thinking that this was you know i was just thinking maybe this human artificer advisor is is uh, going to be in your power stone deck and also additionally maybe this is finally where wizard kind of delves a little bit into you know the full metal alchemist of like the alchemist stone thing so like you sacrifice this human artificer advisor to make some power stone somehow oh there you, go. you, you bet that will make my deck it's going in there it's gonna be at least a one-off you know it's it going in there anyways if you if you want to if you're listening to this on uh, whatever podcast platform you're listening to or watching it on YouTube. Thanks for checking it out. Thank you so much for everyone listening. And uh, to those, especially those of you who made it this far, uh, make sure to give us a follow. See our next episodes. Yes, Michael. Also check out my humans of magic episode. Uh, yes. They, I think you get to learn more about me. And then I also talk briefly about this show, but like, if you want to learn more about me, there's, there's that. So yes. cool. Humans of magic is a great podcast as well. Listen to Michael Kritz on there. If you want to learn more about his story, uh, make sure to give us a follow to see our next episode. Subscribe. If you're watching on YouTube, follow us on Twitter at nuts and bolts pod, and we will see you in the top eight.